Praise the Lord, beloved. We thank God for another opportunity to be able to share with you from God's Word. And we are still in uh, the episodes of giving you some of my favorite Bible passages. And we've been doing this for quite uh, a few episodes now, but I'm so enjoying it, and I hope that you are too. Today we want to look at um, a verse coming out of the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and we'll find that wherever Matthew um, is read, one thing is always clear within this book, that the Old Testament points to Christ. All the law and the prophets find their fulfillment in him. And so Matthew is addressing uh, his writings to the Jewish people. And so he wants to to, for them to see the connection between the Old Testament and all that was stated and for um, mentioned there and how it is being and was fulfilled in Jesus himself. And so in this chapter of 19, we find a, a rich young man who is talking to Jesus. And to give you a backstory as I'm coming, coming into the verse itself, uh, this rich young man uh, came to Jesus and, um, and asked him, Teacher, what, what good thing must I do to gain eternal life? And uh, Jesus asked him, well, why is it that you call me good? There's only one who's good. He says, but if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. That's what he tells this young man. And the young man says in verse 18, well, which ones? And Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. He tells him in 19 to honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the young man says, well, all of these things I've done, so what more do I need to do? And Jesus tells him, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be mature, go and sell all that you have and give the money to the poor and you will have riches in heaven. Then come and follow me. So when the young man hears this, according to verse 22, it says that he, uh, because he had great wealth, he walked away sad. So he did not do that. He did not do what Jesus at that point um, told him he would have to do in order to gain eternal life. And so verse 23 says that Jesus turned to his disciples and he says, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, who then can be saved? And then the highlighted verse I want to share with you today is verse 26, when Jesus answers by saying, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So my verse is, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And in the Good News Translation, 
verse 26 says, Jesus looked straight at them and answered, This is impossible for human beings. But for God, everything is possible. Everything is possible. Uh, I want to now go to the Amplified Translation, and we're going to do some cross-referencing from from here. Um, In that same verse 26, it says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With men, this is impossible, but all things are possible with God. And our first cross-reference takes us to Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. So we want to turn there. Genesis 18 and verse 14. And the scripture reads here, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And this was concerning um, the promise that God made to Abraham that his wife would have a child. Uh, If you recall, uh, there were three visitors that came to Abraham's um, campsite. And Abraham had been sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. And when he looks up, he sees these three men uh, standing nearby. And so when he sees them, he hurries up to them and offers them, um, he bows before them and offers them um, a chance to be able to uh, bring you water to wash your feet and to rest under this tree and let me get you something to eat. And just being very hospitable to these three men. And he was very, uh, felt very fortunate that he was favored by the visit of these three men. And uh, they answered him and said, well, very well, we would, you know, we will just do as you say. And so Abraham goes to the tent and has his wife to prepare uh, some bread and so forth. And then he comes and he, um, they also prepare, have prepared a a tender young calf. And so uh, he brings all of this to his visitors. And while they're eating, um, they ask Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? And he says, well, she's there in the tent. And then um, it says in verse 10 that the Lord said, so one of these angels uh, is thought to be angels. Well, one of them is believed to have been the Lord himself, the pre-incarnate Christ. And he says, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was inside the tent, of course, and when she heard that, she laughed uh, within herself uh, because she she knew that she was old and she knew that Abraham was old and um, she just could not grasp the fact that this could be possible. And then in verse 13, it says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? And then 14, our cross-reference scripture says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
And if you notice that the emphasis is not on what Abraham and Sarah can or cannot do. The emphasis is on what God is going to do, what God is saying that will happen. And that's how we have to take the same um, uh, the same uh, stance in reference to when God speaks. What may appear to be um, a problem and not ready to be solved or if it even can be solved in our own way of thinking. But what does God say about the situation? And if God speaks and tells us through his word uh, a certain thing, even though it may seem impossible in the natural, God supersedes and overshadows the natural because God is supernatural. And so God can put his super on our natural and bring to pass what it is that may seemingly be impossible on one hand in the natural, but with God, all things are possible. There's also another cross-reference that takes us, I believe it's going to be found in um, the book of Romans, chapter 4. excuse me, and verse 21. And we covered this particular passage when we were studying from Romans chapter 4 about Abraham being justified by faith. You'll probably remember it. But uh, the verse that we're looking at uh, to cross-reference this lesson study for today is uh, Romans 4 and 21. And that's where it says, in the NIV, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Back again, we're still talking about uh, how Abraham uh, hoped and believed for a son that, that had never come forth as of yet. But when God spoke as he did in Genesis, that we just read in Genesis 18 and 14, that son actually came to pass. And God was going to develop a whole nation through this lineage uh, that started with Abraham and Sarah's first son, Isaac. And so um, it says that in verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief. He understood that, in fact, my body is dead. My wife's body is dead in terms of not being able to father a child and for her to be able to carry a child of my seed. But although that may be factual, that's not what he chose to believe. He chose to believe the truth of God's spoken word to him. And God told him that he was going to make Abraham the father of many nations. And in order for him to do that, it would begin with one child to be born. And that would be Isaac. And then moving forward from there. And so, um, because he chose to believe God's word, the truth of God's word and what God has spoken to him, then it says here that strength came. 
20, let me read it again from the beginning. It says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So he chose to not be caught up on the factual evidence, if you will, of I'm old, my wife's old, how can this be? Although that was factual, we're not denying that. But he chose rather to believe God's spoken word to him. He knew God because of his relationship with God and all that God had brought him through. And he knew that God was trustworthy, that he could take God at his word. And so because he disregarded what the facts said and chose rather to regard what God said, the promise of God, he was strengthened by that. He was strengthened in his faith, it says, and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And that is the same stance, beloved, that we must take as well. We must take the same stance that in spite of what a situation may look like in the natural, we are going to nevertheless keep our focus on God's spoken truth, God's word. And you'll find that many times that God's word will be in contrast or different from what the world may say. But if we believe God's word and believe that God is going to give us the discernment and a clear understanding of what he is saying in his word, he will direct us, he will navigate us through whatever that situation may be that may look like it's impossible to be able to come to pass. But because God has his hand on it and in it, He's going to make it work for you. And so I want to go back now to our verse in Matthew 19 and 26 again. And this young man then has been challenged to do something that um, we find out that was very um, hard for him. He was a rich man. He was a rich young man. And although he came to Jesus and wanted to know, what more do I need to do to be able to inherit, to to gain um, eternal life? When Jesus told him by saying, sell your possessions, Uh, when he told him to sell and to give to the poor, to sell what you have and give to the poor, then you will have your treasure in heaven. So now some may think, well, why do you have to do that? And um, honestly, I don't know why God asked him to do that. I don't have an answer for that. I can have an opinion about it, though. I do have my opinion about it. I believe that God wanted to show him, being the rich young man, 
what he valued most. Even though the rich young man was coming to Jesus and asking him as if he really wanted to know, and I'm sure he did want to know, what it would take for him to gain eternal life. Maybe he thought, I can buy it. Maybe he thought, because I'm rich, certainly I've earned it. I have the will to prove it, to back it up on what, you know, I'm able to do and everything. But God knew where his heart was. He treasured more of what he had acquired in this life than what he was asking God of what he would need more to do to attain and to receive the greater life. Does that make sense? And so I believe that, and this is my opinion, I believe that the young man found out all too soon that he treasured more of what he thought he would lose than what he would gain. And too many times, beloved, we fall in the same uh, in the same scenario. We look more at what we think we're giving up, what we think we're walking away from, or losing, as opposed to what we're gaining in the Lord. And those are two. You can't compare the two. It's almost trying to compare an apple to a lemon or an apple, um, you know, to uh, a totally opposite fruit or a vegetable that there's no comparison to be made. When you think of what God is giving, what God is giving us is far more greater and far more valued than what we think we may be giving up or walking away from. And so with that being said, when it says in 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, who then can be saved? Now I want to go to um, the Passion Translation as we wrap this up. And let's go to, let's go up to verse 21. Because we know what the rich young man has asked for. And um, Jesus tells them in 21, um, if you really want to be perfect, and that word also means mature, He says, go now and sell everything you own. Give your money to the poor and your treasure will be transferred into heaven. Then come back and follow me for the rest of your life. So what he would give away as these earthly valuables or treasures and the proceeds from that he would give to the poor help those who were less fortunate then all of that would be a spiritual transaction and transferred into his heavenly bank account 
if I can put it that way, then come back and follow me. Do you trust me enough? Do you trust me enough to honor my word and believe that what I'm asking you to do, although it may appear and seem difficult for you to do, but because it's me that's asking you, can you trust me to give you far greater than what you think you are giving up or giving away. Now, that was my little commentary there. In verse 22, it says, and this is still in the Passion Translation, when the young man heard these words, he walked away sad, for he had great wealth. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said in verse 23, Listen, do you understand how difficult it is for the rich to enter into into heaven's kingdom realm? In fact, it's easier to stuff a heavy rope through the eye of a needle than it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. Stunned and bewildered, his disciples asked, Then who in the world can possibly be saved? Now, in verse 23, it did not say that they could not be saved. But it did say that it would be difficult. And I believe that we know why, because of what they would value of what they have here in this life. In this physical, natural life, they would tend to value more of the things that they have acquired and uh, maybe worked for or earned or however it came about, they would value that more than what they would be receiving from God for all eternity. And of course, we can't see that yet because we're still living in physical bodies and we're limited in what we can see. But that's where our trust and our faith in God has to take us there. Because if God is asking us to give something, you can rest assured that what he's going to give back to you will be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So as we give, in my opinion, we are making room to receive even more than what we are, quote-unquote, giving away. And then in verse 25, it says, again, then who in the world can possibly be saved? The disciples are asking him. And then 26 says, looking into their eyes. I love that part. Looking into their eyes, Jesus replied, humanly speaking, no one. Because no one can save himself. And that's the key. That's the point. No one can save themselves. It's not based upon your work. It's not based upon what you have done or have not done. It is not based upon any sort of human effort. It is all based upon Christ and what he has already done, what he has already completed, 
and what he offers freely to each of us to receive. And then he says, what seems impossible to you is never impossible to God. So I believe that Jesus was wanting to impart to his disciples as well as to us that what may look like an impossible situation that you might be faced with trying to figure out, trying to resolve, trying to somehow break it down into something manageable that you can handle. And the more you try to figure out, it seems to grow and grow and get even bigger and more complex. Even doing those things, God is saying, I know about it. I can handle it. Because, of course, we mentioned that God knows everything. God is everywhere. And God is all-powerful. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And so there's nothing too hard for God. So what may seem impossible to us is never impossible with him. And unfortunately, this rich young man, at least at this particular juncture in his life, valued more of what he had than what he would gain in connecting with God and moving forward in the Lord. Hopefully, maybe he had another chance in life. That part we don't know. But what we do know is we're hearing the truth today and we can make that choice today. And it does not always have to be about money. It could be anything in our lives that we value or think is so important to us. But it cannot have first place in our lives. God has to be the center of everything. God needs to be the center of everything and then everything radiates from Him. But He is our source. Not our spouses. Not our significant others. Not our family. Not our jobs. God must be in everything that we do and say he must be the center. He is the source of everything else. Everything else radiates and comes from him. And so I hope and pray that these words have been enlightening and helpful to you and that God will speak to your spirit and let you know that with you, with me, It may seem impossible, but with God, all things are possible. God bless you.